I would like to say a couple of things. Yes, I am dressed up this morning because I need to be. And when I finish, you'll understand a little bit more about why I felt the need. It's for my confidence level, not because I feel that speakers have to be dressed up. If you're speaking and you show up in your overalls and you're comfortable, so be it. But I need clothes. And you'll find out why in a few minutes. Okay. Uh, I want to say a special thank you to Ken and Christy. Wayne and I for years got three kids ready on Sunday morning to go to the house of the Lord. And it is no easy task. (laughs) And they seldom miss a service that I'm like, oh, wow. I pray this morning that the Lord will give us a heart to receive. And as I speak, I'm speaking from my self-experience. You'll understand part in why I chose to go into the educational field. Because I want to make a difference in the lives of kids. I want them to know that regardless of their circumstances in life, They can succeed. As I speak this morning, some of you may be able to relate some of the things that I've experienced in life. Others may be more privileged than I was as a child, and it may not mean anything to you. If you're a parent this morning, I ask that you look at what I say in the eyes of your child and how they may feel and some of the battles that those young people are going through this morning. You see, we reach them while they're young. When they're 16 and 17, the world's already had them for 16 and 17 years. So we as parents need to Try to empathize with the things that they're going through and try to make their life's battle easier than perhaps we had it ourselves. I pray this morning that our heart will be broken with the things that break the heart of God because we know that surely God's heart is breaking when he looks upon our world today a world and a society that was founded upon, or a nation that was founded upon godly principles that saying, God, we no longer want you. Go your own way and we'll go ours. A country where to be a Christian, you're an oddball. But God is saying, rise up, my children, and let the world see that I'm God. And that I want my people to become a mighty army for me. I'm going to go ahead and read the Bible lesson because heaven forbid I stand up here and preach it. Well, not preach, but teach. Excuse me. I feel like I'm preaching. Uh, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. When I look back upon my childhood, I'm so thankful for that. Whosoever will, 
Because if society had looked at me, I would have been cast aside. But a loving God looked down on my life, and he brought me to where I am today. Now, I have a greater nervousness about standing before you this morning than I do when State Department comes in with their evaluations. Because in a classroom, I'm given the material to teach, and as long as I teach it the way State Department says do it, I'm fine. But when you stand before a congregation of God's people and people that do not know God, it's an awesome responsibility because one word said wrong could determine the destiny of an individual soul. So I don't stand before you lightly today, but I stand before you asking that God would reach down and help you see where I'm coming from and help you to receive what I have to say. If it applies to you, take it. If it doesn't apply, pray for those of us that have experienced these things. Ephesians 1 and 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. My title today will be Christians Don't Have Amnesia. Christians Don't Have Amnesia. When I reflect upon my life, I see that it was only the amazing grace of God in my life that kept me from having a hard, loveless, ugly life. My father died when I was two years old, leaving a wife and ten children. We were extremely poor in earthly goods. But we were blessed with a mother who left us with a rich heritage of love, honesty, and a reliance upon God. There are just some times in life when you don't have anything else but God to depend upon. I can't say that I was physically abused. I was spoiled rotten being the baby of ten kids. My brother still apologizes to Wayne for spoiling me. And you know what? I have a husband that spoils me rotten, too. So I've never doubted the love of my brothers and sisters and my mother and my family. My brother likes to say that we're so close as a family. If one takes a dose of medicine, we all feel the effects. <laughs> When there's ten siblings in a family, there's not a lot of need of outside friendship. You have your own little world. That concept has limited me in my interactions with other people through the years from reaching out to others. I answered the phone this week and a lady that comes to church on Friday night 
called and she said, you don't know me. I come on Wednesday night. I need someone to go to the hospital and pray for my child. I assured her we would, and we did. We went immediately down the Brunswick and prayed. And I thought, my God, how sad that is that I don't even know half of the people at Providence. I have to call Natasha and Farrell up to find out who they are. It's not their fault. It's not God's fault. I guess the fault would have to be mine, and I would have to accept that responsibility for not reaching out to people. My mother was a quiet, passive lady. She instilled within us, be careful what you say to and about somebody because they may hate you a lifetime. I heard that over and over. My mother's view of gossip was, if people will gossip about you or gossip to you, they're going to gossip about you. You don't tell other people your problems because if you do, everybody in the community is going to know. How sad that we as a body of Christ cannot be trusted with personal confidences. Uh, have you ever heard a tidbit of gossip and, or something and you can't hardly wait for the person to finish so you can go tell your spouse? We've all done that. Oh, ma'am, wait, would you hush so I can go tell them? You, you know, that thing. But if we're to grow, we have to develop a safe environment that people can trust us with their pain and their suffering. My mother had a wooden plaque on our dining room wall, and uh, we looked at it every day because it was right there at the dining room table. And uh, it was Abraham Lincoln, having been quoted, said, It's better to remain silent and thought a fool than to speak up and remove all doubt. (laughs) (laughs) It was... (laughs) Uh, Some people need to be quiet. (laughs) I try to do that. (laughs) Uh, Tending to our own family business was instant. Stilled in me as a child. You didn't air your dirty laundry. The result of all those things has in part molded me into the person I am today. Now it's good to know when to be silent. It's good to know when to speak. But you can go overboard. When it begins to affect the body of Christ... We're going overboard. The result, okay, as I told you, the result of all those things have molded me into who I am today. Now, with the strong emphasis about being careful what you say about people and people not tending to your business, hey, it's amazing that I talk at all, that I don't have that uh, selective mutism or whatever it's called. Because that was a thing around our house. Some, some people call me, and they call my family, private people. They call me a private person. Wayne calls me just pure old-fashioned, plain, peculiar. And that's okay. God said he'd have a peculiar people. Okay. Let me tell you some of the effects of 
poverty, and I always have trouble with that word. I'll probably die having problems with that, uh, saying poverty. When you're poor in a society where so much emphasis is placed upon material possessions, there are those who would try to make you feel inferior. My family, my brothers and sisters, we were victims of situational poverty. There's generational poverty where people just don't try to do better. We were situational poverty. We had some relatives that were snobs because they were much better than we were because they had had material possessions and we did not. Okay, the feelings of inferiority worked really well on me. I have struggled with that. I have struggled with self-esteem. Growing up, I was the ugly, red-headed, freckle-faced kid with crooked canine teeth and horrible homemade haircuts. Do you get the picture? Do you see why I felt the need to wear a dress up today? Because I needed it. Not for your benefit, but for my benefit. Now, don't whisper to your neighbor, she's still ugly, you know, and she's still freckle-faced and everything. I don't need to hear that this morning. Now, thanks to Wayne, I was able to get my get braces and have my teeth filed, but, you know, there's not a lot of things that you can do about the other. I always had to wear my cousin's hand-me-downs. She had brown hair and red looked gorgeous on her. (laughs) I appreciated her hand-me-downs because that's what I had to wear. By the time they were passed down from my sisters, they were worn up, so I wore my cousin's hand-me-downs. And I appreciated them until a friend noticed, I say, a friend at school told me that red-headed people didn't wear red. It made them look awful. Okay. That added, you know, a little bit of notch into lowering my self-esteem. Her dad worked at Ray Deer, so I guess she thought that she was the fashion expert, but needless to say, I didn't need her fashion expertise. She could have just left it like it was. Okay, um, she did not understand that that was the best I had to wear. I could not go to Maxwell's and buy clothes the way that she could. When you grow up poor, you just have this instilled uh, sense of we can't afford that, so you knew better than to ask for it. The things that people say hurt. They hurt. And with me, I'd been in a family where we did not need the outside world. I drew more into a shell. 
Now, Tanisha's got it down pat how to act like I act whenever somebody's acting like they're better than everybody else. Now, she can show how I will just refuse to be intimidated. She will stand up and she will press and she will hold her head up, you know, and I'm like, I don't do that. She says, and Christy Anderson said, oh, yes, you do, Miss Audrey. Uh, <laughs> But we have our own way of dealing with people that make us uncomfortable. But God's saying this morning, get rid of the junk. Jamie, when I sat there and I heard you say that, I thought, I don't have to say anymore. She's already summed it up. And then Farrell, he's already done it. Now, as a teacher, okay, some teachers do not work well with poor kids. Uh... They prefer to teach the cream of the crop kids. And I've been victim of some of those kids, uh, some of those teachers, because I was poor and I did not have. And uh, you're treated like you're dirty or you have the plague or something like that, you know, just because you're poor. We were clean, we took baths, but we were still treated like, well, who do you think you are? Needless to say, I don't get society's request because if a child's in my classroom, I want them to know that I don't care if their nose is snotty and if they're dirty, that they're going to be treated the same as if their father's the mayor of the county. Because I do not want to stand before God having mistreated a child because they're victims of their own circum- of, of life circumstances. Do we do that whenever people come to church? If we think there's somebody, we rush to meet them. But if there's somebody off the street, just ignore them. That's not pleasing to God. As a teacher, I've learned that for every negative comment that's made to a child, it takes ten positive comments to build that child's esteem back up to the level it was at. Some teachers don't need to be in the profession, and that's my opinion. And because I knew that some of my teachers missed out on that class that taught that. (laughs) And I didn't give you the names, but you wouldn't know them. Let's talk about my Christian experience. I accepted Christ when I was in the fifth grade. He became the father to me that I never had. And I will say this. When I married Wayne, uh, my father-in-law... I guess he knew that because I didn't have a dad, I guess he felt like it was his place to be my dad. He treated me better than he did his own kids. He was such a wonderful father image for me. And uh, I, I, God blessed me. I had to grow up and get married to have, some, uh, to have a father, but I, I do appreciate that. Okay, I accepted Christ when I was in the fifth grade, and I have been given a strong Pentecostal heritage. I am thankful for that. Yes. 
Let us never forget the foundation that we have been given. However, some of the most painful experiences in my life have been church-related. Someone once said that Christians are the only people that kill their young or kill their own. Uh, I cannot fathom or even begin to imagine the number of murders, spiritual murders, that have been committed within the walls of our churches in the name of religion. Some of the things I I could tell you would make your hair curl, but some of you are like me. (laughs) You got your specialist degree in church membership because of the sum of the things you've been through in church. I mean, if we could have a plaque on our wall, we would be right up there with all these scientists and geniuses because we've been there. But you know what? Through it all, God has brought us through in spite of everything. God's been there. He's been faithful. Why am I telling you all this, and especially about you know, church problems and everything. We all have baggage. Your baggage may may not be anywhere similar to my baggage, but we've all got it. And we've all been hurt. The things that would hurt me may not hurt you but we've all been hurt. Okay, like I said, I'm a very private person, so I'm not going to tell you some of the things I've been through. I'm going to tend to my own business and make my brothers and sisters happy that I don't reveal family business. I learned early in life to build walls that others could not penetrate. If you don't get close to people, they can't hurt you. And I'm a grandmother, but few people have been able to penetrate the walls that I have built around myself. Wayne is one of the most people-oriented persons I know. Uh His philosophy, or his prayer is, God, let us make people more important than things. I agree with that. My way of doing that isn't necessarily the same as his. Now, let's look at this picture. Mr. Friendly marries Miss Wall Builder. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, when Wayne and I first got married, there were quite a few discussions, and some could be heard by the neighbors, uh, over my unfriendliness and my aloofness with people. <laughs> I, on the other hand, could not understand how he could meet someone and five minutes later think that they were his 
long lost childhood friend. I couldn't understand that. It didn't make sense to me. You had to build those relationships over time and very carefully. And if you did not trust that person with your inner feelings, you backed away. You did not. You just didn't let people inside. My philosophy was, walls keep people from hurting you. When someone comes to the house of the Lord, they're not wanting people with a bunch of walls. They're wanting people that will reach out to them in love, that will understand them, and that will offer hope for their lives. Now, becoming a Christian does not mean that we automatically have amnesia relating to the hurts and the pains inflicted upon us from childhood. Those growing up years are going to remain with you. They're going to make you into who you are. You can get saved. You can speak in tongues every day. You can appear to have it all together spiritually. But salvation does not automatically erase the memories of past physical and emotional abuses. Jesus says, or Jesus wants us to cast all our cares upon him. But you see, when we get saved, Jesus forgives us. And Jesus will have amnesia about our sins. He'll cast them into a sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered against us anymore. And it's our choice, our free choice, rather to forgive those who have offended us, or rather to walk in unforgiveness. There's a lot that can be said, or there's a lot of truth in, well, I've forgiven them, but I haven't forgotten. The first time they do something else, you remember. I I used to know how to push Wayne's buttons and I could do it in a minute's time. And he could and he could push my buttons in that amount of time also. Then we had teenagers. And we knew then that you have to have a united front against three teenagers in the family. So at that point in life, you work not to push those buttons. You do everything you can to keep that person as an ally because you don't want to be out with those teenagers by yourself. And I had good teenagers. But as the saying goes, God gave us 
uh, teenagers so we'd be willing to make uh, to let them leave home. Yeah. But uh, I had good teenagers, and <laughs> and I thank God that for that. It was always my prayer, God, I'd rather not bring a child into the world than to bring a child into the world and them not know you or to spend eternity lost without God. I had a horror of that, and I still have a horror of my kids not being everything that God wants them to be. A fine example, but all the walls I built, huh? Even though, and if you have children, think about this. Even though we choose to offend others or forgive others, the low self-esteem and the inferiority complexes can take deep roots into our character makeup. Be careful what you say to your kids. My brother says, and sort of funny, of course, Levi, whenever I was practicing, uh, not Levi, but Jace, when I was, had him a captive audience this morning, and I was going over everything, he was saying, don't say that, brew-brew, don't say that. <laughs> but, but that was so something else. That's part about me being ugly. I said, baby, that's why I love you. You think Grandma's pretty. <laughs> uh, <laughs> My brother, he says, and this is funny, and uh, he also told me I shouldn't say the word stupid, but anyway, my brother says, salvation does not make automatic geniuses. If a person's stupid before they get saved, they're still going to be stupid after they get saved. (laughs) Salvation has absolutely nothing to do with our character makeup. Just means we're saved by the grace of God. Mm. Mm. Let me tell you a little bit about my adult life. God has blessed me with a wonderful husband who with God's guidance has helped me to counteract a lot of the inferiority complexes that I developed as a child. I've been blessed with children and spouses who are um, actively involved in church and in the work of the kingdom. There's no richer life on earth than to have a family serving God. And that's a promise God's given us. Well, we won't even talk about the blessed that grandchildren are because there's no words to describe those. Uh, Why am I telling you all of this? It is very difficult for me to allow people to see behind my facade. When you're put down by society growing up because you're a victim of poverty, you build up defenses. And some of those defenses is keeping people at arm's length. 
It takes years to build up the walls that I have around myself. God says he didn't want walls around us. It's like peeling an orange. He wants to take a knife and he wants to peel that orange and peel the layers of hurt, pain, and rejection away from us. And on the inside, you will find a juicy fruit that cannot be contained in your hands because it will get all over you and anybody else close by. Recently, I became aware to the damage of my self-created walls in relationship to the body of Christ. You see, everybody's not what they appear to be. I dare say some of you have some of the same walls. In an effort to create a safe harbor for myself, I appear unapproachable to many. Natasha was telling me that fibromyalgia is often the result of perfectionism. I deal with fibromyalgia. And you know why? Because I have worked so hard to overcome the feelings of inferiority and the complexes that life has left me with. In an effort to appear in control, I've been just that. I've been in control. So controlled that others can do not think that I can relate to their needs. Little do they know that my heart breaks for their situation. Because I've been there in many circumstances. I've been there. When you have a family of ten siblings, nieces and nephews, there's not much that's going to happen that you haven't experienced somehow that has rocked your boat. But Jesus doesn't want a rocking boat. He wants a boat with clear sailing. In an effort to appear perfect and unblemished, Others may feel like I would criticize their blemishes when God knows my heart. I would not. Drug addiction is one of the most prominent problems our society faces. I used to think you got saved. You were automatically delivered. Walk straight. 
until I had a nephew that I loved so dearly that I stayed in their homes. And he fought the battle of drug addiction. His life was destroyed. I will never forget the morning that I received the phone call. It was 6.30 in the morning, and I wasn't supposed to pick up the phone because my sister-in-law wanted to talk to Wayne because they knew that I was crazy about this particular nephew. He had died in a jail cell in another county because he did not get medical treatment and he aspirated or something like that. But you know, I believe with all my heart that he had a foundation that he knew who to turn to, that he knew to turn to the Lord when life got tough. I believe that with all my heart because you see, there were times that I would wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and I would fall on my face before God and I would pray for him, for his safety. I would pray for his soul. You see, we all have hurts. We all have baggage. And it shapes our character. It shapes our experience with God and with other people. But what I'm saying is, the drug addict on the street, we don't know the battle they're fighting. I saw firsthand someone that I loved with my heart all of my heart, trying to fight the drug addiction battle. So easy to sit in the judgment seat and say what people should do and what people shouldn't do. So easy to appear that we've got it all under control. But the only control should belong to the Lord. I can say without reservation that throughout my life, God has been so faithful to me. I grew up with the grandkids. Three of those grandkids are dead today. Two tragic accidents, the other from heart surgery. We all have pain. You don't know what that person sitting next to you has been dealt with in life. But you know the miracles and the prayers that have been answered in the past, they only make me more confident that the God of yesterday is still going to be the God of tomorrow. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If not, Jesus would not have had to die on the cross, would he? He could have stayed up in heaven and we'd just joined him. We've all done things that we're ashamed of. And there are certain things that Wayne had better not tell. Because I get very upset. Likewise, we all have things that we don't want the world to know about. 
the memories of our actions often hone us when we're least expected. We may be in the grocery store buying a gallon of milk and all of a sudden a memory from the past will pop up to haunt and to torment us. But it's up to us as individuals whether or not we give Satan that authority, you might say, to just bring us into depression. And Jesus forgives us. But so many times we don't forgive ourselves. And that's what Jesus has laid upon my heart. That we need to forgive ourselves. God forgives and forgets, but we can't forgive, uh, often forgive ourselves. Satan will hold us bondage to the memories of our past to keep us from reaching our greatest potential for the kingdom of God. Let me repeat that. Satan holds us bondage to the memories of our past to keep us from reaching our greatest potential for the kingdom. He often uses people to bring up those memories. Let's go to Philippians 13 and 14, Natasha. 3, 13 and 14. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. In closing, God has laid it on my heart to tell you today. And when I say you, I'm including myself. Many of us are suffering from memories of the past. Satan uses it as a rod to keep us beaten down. Spiritually. The past has kept us from walking into the future where God wants us to walk. But God says no more. Lay aside the garbage. Be a new creature in Christ this morning. Although we're saved, the past has a lock upon us. But God says let's open up those locks. Let's break those chains this morning. Let's stand up. In closing, I would like to pray a prayer that God's dealt with me about. If you feel the need for special prayer, please step out and do as, you know, and uh, the elders will help you pray or pray for you.
as I pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, that name above all names, I pray for a spiritual bulldozer to cover up the ruts in our lives and allow us to walk over to the land of milk and honey to reach our destiny in Christ. I pray that you'll break the chains that bind us by the authority that we have in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Bring us out of the past with the faith shield in front of us and a sword in our hand. Break the chains of the past that we may walk in the present and in the future without self-condemnation, without guilt from sins that have been washed away by the blood of the Lamb, sins that no longer should be in our memory. God, wash our memories white as snow as you washed our sins. Let us never remember again the mistakes of the past that keep us into bondage today. Help us, Father, to go forward and to possess the land that you promised. We ask that you bless our going in and bless our coming out in the name of the Lord. Wash away those memories of the past that will no longer stay in the desert that we will possess what is rightfully ours in the name of the Lord. For we're no longer paupers, but we are children of the Most High God. Lead us forward, Lord. Lead us forward until we reach our final destination and we can stand before God having done all that you've called us to do. Father, I pray that this morning every child of God in this building will walk on the devil and that he would no longer walk all over us. He Father, I pray for spiritual strength to stand up in the face of the enemy and say, Get behind me, Satan. The past is the past. I'm a child of Almighty God. I'm a child of the King. Make us soldiers, Lord, this morning, standing strong for you. When opposition comes, Lord, when the fiery darts of Satan comes against us, let those fiery darts fall at our feet. For we fight not against flesh and blood, but against powers of the air. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would deal with our spirits this morning. Cleanse away the memories. Father, let us think of the good things that you've done in our lives and overcome the hurts of the past. Let us hold fast to the promise that no weapon formed against us shall prosper and all those that rise up against us shall fall. Lord, you know the spiritual, the physical, the emotional, 
and the financial problems and struggles that have shaped our character of today. But let us take our place as children of the Most High God working for your kingdom. I pray in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, that you will set us free from the past, that Satan can no more, no more, no more hold us captive to those chains. That bondage will be broken this morning in the name of Father, I pray that you will sweep this house right now with a soul cleansing, a refreshing of your spirit. And Lord, let us feel the presence of God as we've never felt it before, a presence of God that will assure us that we're no longer slaves and we're no in bondage to the treats of Satan, but we have freedom in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We love you this morning, Lord. We thank you for salvation. We thank you because you're our all in all and without you life would be worthless. Thank you, Lord, for the hope of tomorrow. In the name of Jesus, we pray you and we thank you for freedom this morning.